Welcome to the Spirited Advocate Podcast, brought to you by the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States, the leading voice for the distilled spirits industry. Now your host, Chris Wonger. Hi, Spirited Podcast uh, listeners uh, and viewers. Thank you for being with us today. Guess what? We think this is right. I think Joe Biden is the first president of the United States from the great state of Delaware. I I need to Google that, but I think that is accurate. But just as important, uh, we also have a great guest today, Ron Gomes from Painted Stave Distillery, uh, straight from Delaware. Uh, Ron, thank you for being here. And we're looking forward to hearing more about the distillery and all of your good efforts. Uh, If you wouldn't mind, Ron, just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in the whiskey business. Yeah, hi, hi, Chris. Uh, First and foremost, thank you. Uh, Thank you to Discus. Um, Thank you to your team for putting this together. Um, And I I, I think you overstated my importance here relative to Biden, but thank you for that anyway. yeah, it's great to be here. I'm a fan of the podcast. And um, so I um, I have not the traditional distilling background. Um, I'm a military brat, uh, toured the United States uh, via the military under my dad uh, through most of my childhood. I call California home, San Jose, California's home. And uh, that's where I did all my, my major education. I, I have a PhD in developmental cell biology. Um, I um, took that into uh, the postdoctoral world, married a couple of different disciplines and um, settled in on Delaware uh, here um, to finally launch a business. Now I'm probably skipping over a lot of things here uh, that that I would love to dive into. It's about the distillery, how how you got the idea and then opened up this great distillery in the middle of Delaware. So I was on faculty at Penn State College of Medicine in, in a department of orthopedics. Um, I, I took my postdoctoral work here in Delaware into a faculty post. And um, like a lot of academic faculty, we brew beer. We brew beer, we make wine, you know, we're hobbyists. Um, and I had a colleague uh, during my faculty days that made some beautiful, incredible beer. And uh, we would enjoy going out after work and drinking beer and talking about beer and brewing beer. And one day I was sitting in my office and he, he said, do you know anything about craft distilling? And I said, craft what? And, and he said, you got to read this. You got to read this. It's so cool. And he left this article and I probably got to it about a month or so later. Um, and that was really my first introduction. There was a, a, a summary um, and it's been, you know, 10, 11 years now. I can't even tell you what that summary, who had written it. Um, but it piqued my interest and so much so that um probably about five, six months later, I found myself down at Contocton Creek in Virginia, uh, attending a workshop um, with this gentleman that I was in my, that uh, dropped this article on my desk. And, and um, you know, I you said- got meet, uh, You got to meet Scott and Becky Harris, obviously, right? Absolutely, yeah. Continue to correspond with Becky uh, in her role as president of uh, ACSA um, as we try to you know, drive drive business, right? Uh, yeah. Legislative change. I'm sure we'll talk about that here in this po- podcast. Um, but yeah, it was during that tour and during that workshop that I saw um, some fun opportunities. I, I thought they were fun opportunities to, to draw on my background, to bring it forth into this business. 
Um, so my background's in cell biology. I saw uh, places where, you know, we call these fermentation um, vessels, these fermentations that we hold. Um, um, and for me, it's just a cell culture, right? So yeah. I saw opportunities to influence the cell culture through my science, through my background. I saw opportunities to learn more about uh, that culture, its its activity, its process as it makes booze. Uh, we have a small laboratory here uh, that's outfitted to allow us to do that, to dive in. Uh, all of this with the idea that uh, what we know about the science and what we can learn about our, our ferments uh, on a science side can help us uh, improve our product quality um, and therefore ideally sell more products to the consumer. So um, yeah, that, so I come at it from kind of a science um, a science interest background. Awesome. You know what I love about it? Uh, let's say off the hoof vodka, brilliant <laughs> name. Uh, silver, silver screen vodka as well. <laughs> double trouble deed, uh, trouble double D. Uh, that's the whiskey, right? Is that the whiskey? And then you've got Diamond State Rye. The, the names of the brands are phenomenal. Phenomenal. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about uh, just the creative thinking behind that. So, so fun. So we're a small business, right? So we're a very small business. And initially, my business partner, Mike, and I, we wanted to tell stories with our brands. So our branding, the, the names of the brands that you just described, largely tell stories that we can connect to uh, not only in our state, but in our region. So, for instance, the double troubled um, uh, malt whiskey that you're talking about, that came about Actually, that product uh, was born over beer with brewers at Fordham Dominion Brewing uh, 20 minutes to my south. And we said, what can we do to collaborate together? And they said, well, you know, let's, let's, let's brew something and distill it together. And uh, we said, well, let's, what's your most popular beer? And they said, oh, this Double Trouble, uh, um, Double D. I'm gotcha. sorry, Double D is their most popular beer. And um, we said, well, let's just take that and distill it and see what happens. And, and there you go. I, there's, a, there's a product. And it turns out now that we have a whole series of beer collaborations that we, um, that we do this with from brewers all over our state uh, and even one in Maryland. So uh, it's been a fun project to turn out these one-offs um, that can benefit both of, our, both of our companies by tapping into each of our, you know, our demographics, their consumer it, demographics. It sounds like there's good collaboration in Delaware with the, the, the craft brewers, with the craft distillers, it seems like then, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you only want to work with people that you're having fun working with because, you know, this work that we do is, is, is hard, is heavy yeah. um, and, and tiring. So we, we, we are very fortunate to have wonderful people to uh, collaborate with and, and uh, create new and interesting products for sure. Yeah. Ron, tell us about the marketplace in Delaware. Uh, uh, you, through the pandemic, you're able to de deliver your great products. Uh, you know, tell us about the marketplace. Was it, is it hard to bring your, your great brands to market in Delaware? Uh, or do you get good collaboration uh, with, the other craft brewers and the craft distillers around the state and uh, with the Delaware legislature? Yeah, so um, I guess I should back up. We got started here in Delaware by actually crafting a bill and taking it to legislature and, um, you know, passing it into law in order to actually start our, our distillery. Um, 
and I drafted that bill, uh, not having drafted a bill prior. Um, uh, you may or may not know this, but I'm, I'm married to a contract lobbyist here in the state. So that helped a little bit. She guided you, I bet, right? Yeah, yeah I think that's, there you go, understating the, her help again. But yeah, she certainly um, offered uh, some very, very important advice and, and guidance on how to get that done. Um, I would say overall, the legislature here has been very favorable. I mean, they haven't given us everything we want, but we've continued to hammer on our on our law that governs what we do um, and ways to make the business uh, um, stronger and, and create things that are more business friendly. Obviously, the pandemic um, has continued uh, to give us uh, challenges. Sure. Um, I was tested today uh, for, for covid um, I've been tested all total probably about six times, but we had some uh, possible contact, uh, distant contact, and we just wanted to be safe. And yeah. uh, so we were tested. State and sorry. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but the pandemic certainly is challenging. So uh, let me let me tell you a little bit about 2019. So in 2019, we saw maybe 15,000 visitors here. Right. It's quite a bit yeah. for, for a small, small distillery in a, in a little town. Um that pretty much went away in 2020, right? Um, we enjoyed revenue streams from event hosting, from uh, bottle sales, from distillery tours. We also enjoyed you know, revenue generation from distribution. When the pandemic came, all that went away, Chris. Uh, it just, it all went away um, in, you know, in March. Uh, distribution for the year was just, it was essentially zero. Um, and the Ron, did a little bit of it come back during the summertime when, uh, or you know, just with all the anxiety related to the coat, the pandemic, uh, that that fifteen thousand, it's going to be a while for that to come back, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And I will tell you, all through last year, so we we switched gears, uh, addressing a need in our state for hand sanitizer. We shut down production in March, and we went into hand sanitizer production for for. A uh, good couple months, two and a half months, uh, and then uh, big industry caught up, and so that took away the need that we were filling. Um, and so we we pivoted back again to trying to carve out a business that uh, could not thrive by bringing visitors to it. And so this whole curbside to go um, opportunity, um, we we threw ourselves into that, changing software changing uh, the way we, we train our staff to build beautiful cocktails. And we were, we were batching up cocktails to go. And, and really that is the revenue stream that have you know, kept the lights on, uh, kept, the, kept our employees uh, here um, and allowed us to actually be here today. Awesome. You know, the amazing thing about a craft distiller is you've got to be an executive you got to be great at sales and marketing. You got to be a great lobbyist in one form or another, right? An advocate for your business within the state and so forth. But got to be a great distiller. Uh, the the competencies that it takes to be a great craft distiller is is it a is a lot, right? So in when issues like a pandemic come, you've got to be able to shuck and jive and tuck and roll and just navigate and keep your head above water, right? I, I agree. But I, I also know that small businesses um, are used to making those quick decisions and being nimble. 
as they try to find their way to, to the customer that's going to respond to them, as they try to um, hone their products and hone their branding, uh, we're continuing to evolve. And it's just, it, 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 the pandemic certainly has presented challenges, but I don't think overall, the way I look at it, I, I don't think they're any different than the challenges and challenges in general. Uh, the specificity of the type of challenges, sure, they're very different. But I think the fact that we are challenged uh, on a day-to-day basis to to grow our brand, to reach customers, I think um, that that set us up pretty well to just stop one thing and and move on to the next and and do it well, right? Do it very well. Yeah, I'm not sure if you've seen it, but one of my favorite things over the last month or so is I don't know if you follow Barstool Sports, but uh, you know the lead fellow there, uh, they've set up a, a fund where sure. I think they've raised over $24 million. And uh, when he FaceTimes, you know, small business X, Y, and Z, and let them know that they're going to be there to help them, it's it's just awesome. And it's awesome for those family-owned businesses. And the same would apply to uh, Painted Stave as well uh, in many degrees, right? Absolutely. And we've had help, right? So I wouldn't be in where I am today if I didn't have help. Um uh, we've we've been able to tap into the federal programs, yeah, PPP, EIDL. Yeah. Uh, we've been uh, able to tap into state support. Our our state here created uh, for the hospitality industry some uh, low interest loans, made them available. They're still available. Uh, we've been able to to do those things. I won a couple of grants as well. Um, so yeah, being um, being aware and being savvy and being nimble. Uh, you know, allowing yourself to apply to these things in short order, you know, having your books together so that you can go at it. Um, really important, really important. Um, Incredible. Yeah. 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 Um, but it's interesting. Uh, the, with the passage of the Craft Beverage Modernization Tax Reform Act, obviously that is given, hopefully that's given your, your business some predictability. You know, in the waning days of December, uh, before that got signed and sealed, I'm sure you were anxious with uh, the possible outcome of that legislation not passing and made permanent, right? Absolutely, because prior to having that FDT relief, um, we were paying, you know, we were paying the other tax, right? We were paying yep. uh, $13.50 a proof gallon, um, and we were well aware of, of the strain on our small business uh, having to, to put out those taxes. Uh, and of course, we enjoy a much lower tax rate now, um, and we certainly didn't want to see that go back to the way it was, given where we are. Absolutely, yeah, that's um, it's a it's a good effort by the industry total, right? So, uh, beer, wine, and spirits, you know, uh, collectively uh, going after it, uh, talking to legislators, um, and, and getting it done. Yeah, great team, great team effort across the sectors and all of the above, and. Yeah. Uh, with a with a positive outcome, and we had some hiccups uh, towards year end with with uh, the FDA and HHS and the and the fee related uh, hand sanitizer, but we were able to hopefully uh, overcome that as well. Ron, let me ask you. Uh, obviously, one of uh, the opportunities, and you know, this past year has been a unique year for our nation for a lot of reasons. Uh, but, you know, with the events over the summer and so forth and so forth, it has really brought, uh, you know, the diversity platform in how diversity can make industries 
much stronger. And, uh, you know, as we're in February, and this is uh, Black History Month, uh, celebrating, you know, all the contributions that the African-American community has really made to building our country, making our country great on so many levels. Uh, uh, this industry probably has a lot more work uh, ahead of itself to kind of broaden the diversity platform. Uh, could you reflect on that? Uh, you know, I'm sure when when you got interested in this business, you may not have fully anticipated uh, some of the opportunities uh, with your background, uh, how uh, an African-American-owned a uh, distillery like yours can play such a leadership role. Could you expand on that and what the opportunities are for our industry from a diversity perspective? Yeah, let me let me take a step back and, and talk to you a little bit about my background because I, I think it's important in framing kind of what I'm going to say to follow. Um, almost everywhere I've gone, Chris, I've been I've been the first or the second, right? I was the first to go to college in my family, the first to graduate um, from college. I was the first to go to graduate school, obtain a PhD, a faculty position, um, so on and so forth. Uh, first to you know leave all that and open their own business in my family. Um, but if you dissect out each of those first and say, well, who was around you? So my, my earliest days in graduate school at Berkeley, where I got a master's degree, um, I was one of two African-Americans in this big program, right? Yeah. I went to Houston, where I got my PhD, I was the only one. And it, and it was so much, and, and I wasn't thinking about any of these things at the time, except for when I got to Houston and my advisor sat me down and showed me the previous uh, uh, year's graduates in, in, a, in a photograph and said, you know, here's your amazing opportunity. You know, you're gonna be well-trained. You don't look anything like them. You know, if, if you complete this program and you come out and publish your papers and work hard, you know- You write your ticket almost, right? A little bit? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I heard that. And and um, going on to, to Delaware and doing my postdoc, I was one of two. I was one of three African-American faculty in a college of medicine in Hershey, Pennsylvania, at, at College of Medicine, Penn State. Um, and um, you start to notice, but um, those things weren't keeping me up at night. You know, I was worried about publishing or perishing. I was worried about... Oh. How do I keep my postdoc, um, you know, moving his project along? How do I keep my two graduate students moving through their graduate studies? How do I keep the med students on their projects? You know, how do I continue to bring in money to fuel my research enterprise, right? Yeah. So, um, and, and then I find myself here in this distillery um, and maybe um, if, if history's right and what I've been able to research is correct, I may be the first African-American grain to bottle distiller in these model, modern times, right? So I'm looking at the internet, looking at what people have looking at timing. I don't know that that means anything. We know that Jackie Summers, Summers uh, was the first African-American to hold a DSP in modern times, right? And he's a blender, um, but uh, that hasn't given me anything, right? So as we look at, um, and, and quite honestly, nobody knew we were an African-American distillery until, until we have the social unrest, until there's an interest, until there's conversation. And so I think what the industry needs, what our industry needs to do is to have that hard conversation. 
Yeah. So if, if the folks you want to include uh, in your diversity equation aren't at the table, so now we're talking about inclusion, right? So yeah. if they're not at the table, um, you can't ask the questions that need to be asked in order to move your agenda forward, right? In a, in a productive way. So I think that include that inclusion part of our diversity equation is, is, is uber important. Um, and, and of course, asking those very, very hard questions, not the softball questions, but the hard questions that nobody wants to, to ask that they kind of shy away from because they feel that they can't get there. But I think that's where we're gonna have to go and have those questions. Absolutely. I, I was uh, talking to a buddy uh, a couple of days ago just about uh, 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 civil justice reform and all the issues. I mean, that's a complex issue, obviously, but, you know, having these uh, tough but open-minded conversations and and I could say, you know, uh, I'm excited about the possibilities. Uh, look, you know, Everything that's written about diversity is your industry will come out of this much stronger, right? In your sure. leadership, you blaze in the trail uh, for painted stave and all that you're doing is a component to it. So I think uh, on behalf of the members of Discus, we recognize all of our member companies recognize that this is an area that we've got to converse about. Uh, get, 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 get willing to kind of have open-ended discussions, maybe get uncomfortable a little bit, uh, but really uh, have our eyes on the prize, which is really making progress in this regard. And, you know, what's amazing about your story is it seems like you always just kept your eyes focused on delivering, right? Whether it's getting the research grants at uh, Penn State, or it was getting your PhD at uh, the University of Texas and so forth in building this great distillery and uh, good things will come. So thank you for your uh, leadership in that regard, uh, uh, you know, and, and and we're really appreciative and look forward to having you uh, be a part of that conversation within Discus uh, going forward and the broader industry as well. I know those conversations are going on at ACSA and all various parts of uh, parts of the industry and it's important. Yeah. Uh, quick question back on to the business side. Uh, there's there's been legislation introduced in Delaware to pursue uh, direct to consumer shipping. Uh, right. That could be a new channel uh, for you to bring your great products to uh, to to your customers. Could you talk a little bit about that? Of course, Discus supports the three tier system. Uh, direct shipping. Uh, it, they don't allow direct shipping for wine in Delaware as well, if I if I have that right. So this is an emerging market opportunity uh, for your business in Delaware, right? That's that's correct. I, I think before I even had the distillery, before we had the legal ability to have a distillery here in Delaware, I think the direct consumer uh, wine shipping legislation was, was uh, discussed down in Leg Hall here in Delaware. So it goes back, you know, at least eight years, right? So, um, and um, we, uh, as a distillery, have tried to support that as best we can, going down to Lake Hall and, and testifying, even though we weren't named on the bill as being allowed to, to do these things. Um, I absolutely think, especially uh, during this pandemic, uh, we definitely could use that channel, as you describe it, uh, potential revenue stream uh, to reach customers. Um, 
at the base of who we are and what we do, we are direct to consumer. We are a hand sell here in this small distillery. One bottle at a time, right? One bottle at a time. One bottle at a time. Yeah. Yeah. One bottle at a time. Um, I got an email today from California. Can uh, we had a release or we had, we're having a release for a liqueur? And I got an email today. Can you ship to California? And um, can't do that, right? Can't do that. I have distribution in California, but it won't be for this particular product. But um, yeah, we can't ship. So I, I, the way I look at it now, it would be a, um, a, a very useful revenue stream. I don't know what it would mean to the bottom line. Um, that's hard to predict that, but I, I would love to have the opportunity to find out. And so um, we will continue to have conversations with legislators and continue to try to educate them. Um, one of the things that I think is really interesting about this is, is all the logical arguments are there, Chris, why this could happen, how this could happen, the, the, the mechanisms that need to be in place. And, um, but uh, as I've done this for eight years, those, those logical arguments are really, really hard to, uh, I don't know, hard to make a difference, <laughs> hard to have make a difference, if I could say that correctly. It's, it's hard to get that through and convincing fashion. Um, I think we have some challenges with labor. I think we have some challenges uh, with our distributor. Um, and, you know, we don't, I don't have any interest in puncturing the three-tier system or bringing it down, but I think the laws in, in this particular state um, are antiquated and they, they could benefit everybody uh, from an update. Yeah, ultimately, look, obviously, anytime you're talking about the the channels for sale and distribution of beverage alcohol. You always got to have top of mind the responsibility aspects of it. Make sure that the product is going to legal drinking age and so forth. But ultimately, you know, some type of uh, direct shipping can ultimately make the three tier system even stronger because it'll help for that for that consumer in California that is was looking for that liqueur. Ultimately, it'll help create the consumer pool for products to go through the traditional routes of the three-tier system, right? So that's the, that's the idea, right? Absolutely. That's the master plan. Yeah. 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 And look, the pandemic has certainly accelerated the recognition that e-commerce is the way of the future, right? And it's how uh, this industry, with our distributor partners and our retail partners as well, think about it and also give... Uh, distilleries like yours, you know, just a new path for uh, legal drinking age consumers to try the product. Those 15,000 people that visited the distillery in 2019, right, if they're going back to their state and they don't have time or they don't have access for the product in their particular state, they could pick up an order from you, right? And that will ultimately make the three-tier system stronger. And, and that's the theory and we believe is the case. So we're looking forward to working with you on that. Great, great. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it as well and having the support. So as you know, I've talked to some of your team already. So um, we're ready to go here and, and try to get this done here for the state, for sure. Awesome. Now, let me ask you this. It's, it's unfair for me to call you out and ask you if you had to pick one of your great brands, what's your favorite? I, I, I know they're all the favorite, right? But is there one in particular or is it dependent on the occasion? 
Man, so I, I knew you were going to ask this question because you ask it through all yeah. of your podcasts. And yeah. I will tell you, of all the questions that I thought about you asking me, this is this is a tough one. It is probably the most difficult question of them all. Um, I, right now, with the weather being the way it is, um, my bottled and bond rye whiskey is probably is is what I'm sipping on. Um, it's a, you know, obviously a bonded whiskey for a small company like us. Um, yeah. Is it is a major milestone and all of our, all of our whiskeys are moving in that direction in short order. Um, so yeah, I would, I would be sipping on some rye whiskey um, for sure. Not bad. Come summertime, you may switch to the vodka a little bit, right? Um, come summertime, I'm going to switch to my lavender forward gin. Oh, Oh, there yeah. you go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds sounds yummy. Awesome. Yeah. And if you could be anywhere in the world, anywhere in the world, as we all kind of sit close to home during the pandemic and so forth, where would you and your wife want to have that uh, great cocktail? Maybe uh, that lavender gin. If you could pick one place in the world to have that. Any thoughts? I, I When I was in... Uh... When I was in college, um, the year I graduated, I, I toured, I backpacked through Europe and made my way over to Greece and uh, fell in love with Eos and Santorini. And so I think I would, I would really love to have a cocktail, you know, high up on the cliffs of Santorini, watching the sunset. Um, yeah, I think that would be- Not uh, bad. Yeah, not bad at all. Not bad. Well, Ron, on behalf of the Distilled Spirits Council and Spirits United and and everything, just congratulations to everything that you're doing. Uh, Thank you for your leadership in in terms of the great distillery that you've built. I'm looking forward to come visiting at some point uh, here in the next couple of months when I make my way back uh, to Rehoboth. And uh, really, uh, on behalf of Discus, anything that we can do to help you in your distillery and thank you for your leadership and uh, uh, everything that you've done. It is the picture perfect story of a, a great American pursuing their life's dream. And it may not have been your life's dream up until when you were at Penn State thinking about it, but good for you to kind of uh, uh, just kind of change gears and build something great that is going to live in perpetuity, right? And uh, it's just really, really exciting to hear the story. So on behalf of Discus, great cheers to you and uh, keep pushing forward. Cheers, Chris. And thank you again. Thank you so much for inviting me to uh, join you today. I've, I've really enjoyed it. And I, I really do look forward to your visit. I'd love to show you our, our house here. Um, so please, please come on down. The Spirited Advocate podcast was brought to you by the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States. If you'd like to be a guest speaker on the show or send us topic suggestions to cover, please contact us at podcast at distilledspirits.org. And please like and share these episodes. Your support is very appreciated.